0: Thank you um, so much to everybody for the invitation. I really appreciate um, the respect you showed for our work and also the chance to really get to engage uh, in a way that we don't often get to engage internationally amongst working class people. So I, I really appreciate the, um, the invitation. Um, I'm a train conductor in a 40, between 42 to 46,000 member union in New York City. Um, we literally run the city like their their city would not move without us. The center of world capitalism and imperialism would simply not move without a 77 percent black Latino immigrant union. Um, And uh, as you can tell with that kind of power, um, the bosses hate us. They hate everything we stand for. Um, They despise us. They despise our power. Um, It's why they call us thugs. It's why they call us like gangsters when we demand basic health care, a union, basic safety conditions, a basic living wage, et cetera. Um, So it's no surprise that when COVID-19 happened, um, like with Hurricane Katrina and many other disasters, Hurricane Sandy, there simply is no plan for the working class to survive. Um, They have complete and utter contempt for our humanity. Ah, uh, the ruling class, the imperialist ruling class of the United States, is the prime example of the depravity, the moral depravity of the ruling class around the world, um, and um, the utter contempt they have for the workers and oppressed of the world. Um, so, when COVID-19 broke out, they kept the subway system open twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, um, as a vector of the disease. Um, it basically was a transmission point for literally tens of thousands of New Yorkers to become infected. And not surprisingly, those at the front lines with no PPE, with no real plan to keep them safe, died. Uh, 130 plus of our transit workers are dead from COVID-19, tens of thousands infected. And, um... Basically, the the response of the union leadership, which, you know, for years has been betraying the interest of working class people and for years has preached partnership and boss loving with politicians and and ruling class figures, um, was to basically go into the witness protection program. Um, They were nowhere to be found. They were completely and totally missing and absent. it is the clearest condemnation of the political bankruptcy and just um corruption of the labor bureaucracy in the United States? And I'm, I'm sure you guys are well aware that this is an international phenomenon, this has nothing to do with it being a particular peculiarity of the United States. Um, they basically came out as public relations reps for the for management. Uh, my RTO VP, the head of the train workers section of the union, went out into the field and told members they didn't need masks, told them that um, they would be selfish because they would be taking away masks from doctors and nurses who really needed them. Um, I, you know, I can't tell you how much it disgusted me that this person represents 8,000 transit workers and when they were in most need, couldn't be counted on to give a shit about their, whether they lived or died. Um, So in any case, uh, for about two months, the union did absolutely nothing to respond to COVID-19 except, quote, the Trump CDC, which we knew was lying about what was an adequate response to the crisis. Um, And um, then in April, late April, after dozens of workers had died, they start to demand uh, PPE and actually provide them. During that time, it was rank and file members like myself and Local 100 Fightback Coalition that actually, with our own money, organized to buy PPE for members, organized to, to make, make sure that unsafe work was shut down in the field. So like in many other unions you'll see in the United States, like teachers, like hospital workers, doctors, nurses, it was rank and fileers who actually had to fight to defend our lives and to defend our right to survive in this crisis and to make demands about what a real response would look like. Um, So I go into that background about COVID-19 because it really does expose the true nature of the capitalist system and the the crisis politically that the working class faces. Um, Trump and Trumpism represent a paving the way for fascism in the United States. Uh, it is priming the pump of social reaction um, of an anti social movement that wants a strongman leader to solve the problems that are unsolved by both parties. And Trump was really a response to all of that. Um, and um, the, pro- the problem for, for working class people is. How do we develop a political response to that crisis? It's one thing to decry the inhumanity of of Trump, the racism of Trump, to make a moral case for why it's depraved indifference for human life and why it ultimately represents the destruction of any kind of democratic rights in our society. Um, The rolling rolling back of labor rights, the rolling back of women's rights, the rights of lesbians, gays and, and other you know, historically oppressed communities within under capitalism. How do we transform that moral argument into concrete actions that show that it's the working class that that is the only class that can be actually counted on to provide a real solution, a real planned social solution to the problems that we face under capitalism. And so that's why the call for labor action against the coup that I know Traven was one of one of the people you know, pushing for is 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 important. It's important to push in that direction in terms of um, the actions that working class people can take collectively to force um, to fight for our democratic rights more than just at the ballot box, but in terms of our own class power and mobilizing our class power to enforce our will upon the bosses and and, and turn back the tide of of reaction. And um, so, I think that's you know that's important. Um, but also, like the connections that were built during COVID nineteen, really showed the potential for a working class that's conscious of itself as a class and conscious of the connections between our struggles and how they can be so much more powerful together with a with a combined political message that actually makes demands and stands united in solidarity with each other. So, one of the things that Local One Hundred Fight Back has been doing has been reaching out to nurses and doctors fighting for basic PPE, reaching out to education workers, calling for a a safe school, safe school conditions, or when there are no safe school conditions, refusing to work in those conditions. We've also organized with Amazon workers, warehouse workers, many of them, you know, non-union workers who were supposedly hailed as essential workers as we were but then basically left to die in the in the course of this crisis so that Jeff Bezos and company can make windfall profits or profiteering off of the crisis. So we made those connections not only for ourselves, but also with live streams where workers got to actually ask questions of them, actually got to learn about their struggles. And, you know, part of part of the best thing that socialists can do in this in this very dark time is to humanize our class, to humanize ourselves, is to begin to paint a different narrative about what's possible in life and who makes it possible. And so that's the model model that we've tried to provide. Um, But we've also tried not to miss any opportunity to unite with workers over the most basic democratic fights of our day. Because, you know, for too long, socialists there's a stereotype about socialists, you know, that we have our, our head in the clouds and our feet never touch the ground and we don't really care about fights for democratic rights. And and we, we're we just, um, you know, um, we, we want everybody to accept our ideology and then we think everything's gonna be okay. And we have to defend ourselves from that, even though it's a vicious, anti-working class, ruling class stereotype. Every stereotype has just a little bit of truth in it, otherwise nobody would believe it. And so we have to do everything we can do possibly to defend ourselves and to put forward an alternate narrative that actually informs what socialism really means concretely in the lives of working class people and why it represents their historic mission in life as a class and the only way forward for our class to survive.
1: Well, I really appreciate um, John's presentation. And of course, it's interesting to me because the uh, the local TW local 100 that John is, is speaking from um, I think we said you to have something like 46,000 members um, that's more union members than are in the entire state of Vermont um, so Vermont is you know one of the most rural states um, in the country I come out of a, a Teamster local that had a, at its peak uh, maybe 900 members um, I'm part of the leadership team at the Vermont AFL CIO that uh, has affiliates that represent a total of a little over 10,000 members. So it's, it's a different world. <laughs> um, and of course, um, TW 100 and the New York labor movement has a, has a history. Um, and uh, I mean, you wouldn't know it, of course, from hearing the description of what the current, uh, TW leadership is, is doing or not doing, but, uh, that local um historically you know going back to mike quill um you know was well it was led at one time one point by by uh, folks who'd been in and around the communist party um and was regarded as a progressive and militant local and it has been at times so um you know the situation you know overall i I think is, is not uh, a very pretty one um, for a working class militants. Uh, we've got to, at this point, Trump has still not conceded the election. That should come as no surprise to anyone. Um, I mean, despite the fact that uh, overall, in the overall vote, uh, tr- um, Biden got perhaps uh, six million, approaching six million more votes. We have this bizarre anti-democratic uh, legacy of. Slaver, slavery in this country called the Electoral College, which was designed to uh, limit uh, de- democracy. And the, but even the, even there, um, when when the votes are all in, uh, it's expected that Biden will you know win overwhelmingly, even in the Electoral College. But even today, at uh, in about an hour, uh, Trump is holding a press conference uh, at which he's going to argue that he has a clear road to. Uh, his next inauguration in uh, January, um, so he's not conceding at all. You know what? What the actual reality of this? I mean, it's in. I think it's it's pretty impossible that uh, he's going to be successful in um, in staying in the White House. But all of this does have an impact on cohering um, a far right in this country, um, and we've got to assess the fact that that Trump. Uh, won something like 73 million people uh, to vote for him, which was a significant increase over his vote count uh, of four years prior. I mean, it's like he got something like 9 million more votes. Um, and um, I mean, I don't know how you could say what percentage of those folks are hardcore racists. Um, but uh, that's, that's a significant growth of a far right in this country and on the fringes of that milieu is the uh, is the development of an actual uh, fascist uh, street fighting force, which is still pretty marginal, but it's growing. Um, it's it's hard because of the way this election was done to know, you know who voted how, uh, but it's estimated that something like uh, nearly 40 percent of union members who voted um, supported Trump. I mean, I think undoubtedly, a lot of working-class people and poor people did not vote. Um, that's certainly been the tradition in this country, um, and it's been growing for the last forty years or so that working-class people don't vote because they know the system is rigged. Um, the lesser evil is not very attractive; doesn't seem like a lesser evil. And in fact, um, I, in in my in my view, uh, I think a good chunk of people who decided to vote for Trump, including a, a rising number of, uh, of Black and uh, Latino uh, folks uh, who voted for Trump, was because of the, uh, the money that came across uh, early in COVID, um, uh, the $1,200, uh, the increased unemployment benefits, things like that. Um, And, of course, you know, you can make the argument that, well, they got that money because the Democrats pressured uh, in negotiations for it. But, you know, most people don't pay attention uh, to those kind of finer details. Um, And the reality is the checks were signed by Trump. So that's in general, I think there was a widespread sentiment among. Working class people Um, and John can can, uh, I'd like John to maybe contradict me on this but uh, that people who cared more about or felt more kind of pressure, like, how am I gonna pay my bills? I'm not gonna be able to, to pay the rent, uh, the significant number of people who are, don't, don't know how they're gonna feed their families. Um, I think in Vermont, we say that already a quarter of, of, uh, of the population here is, is the euphemism is food insecure. Um, People who are concerned foremost about their economic situation um, were more inclined to vote for Trump. People who were more concerned about COVID or uh, the boorishness of, of Trump, uh, his racism, his xenophobia, uh, were more likely to vote for Biden or didn't vote. Um, well, it's not a pretty picture, though, when we consider that probably a majority of the white working class, the white section of the working class that voted, um, probably actually voted for Trump. It's different in different areas, certainly. Um, but the areas that, that have had suffered the most under neoliberalism, where there's the greatest joblessness and the greatest despair, where there's the greatest level of, of, of addiction and, and suicide, where people are dying at earlier ages, those areas of the country, um, those counties that have suffered the most economically um, are the ones where uh, people are most disaffected from the kind of centrist, the neoliberal politics of of the democratic party and um, are either not voting or voting to blow the whole thing up or in some cases uh, buy into the, the economic populism, it's fake. Of, of Trump and Trumpism. There's even discussion about the Republican Party becoming uh, the party of the white working class. I mean, I think that's way overblown. But um, there is, this is a real challenge for the development of a progressive working class movement. The winds are not blowing in, in the favor of, uh, in the direction of, of building a mass working class movement in this country. I mean, all of that said, The left is growing. Um, It's represented by the growth of groups like Democratic Socialists of America, of which I'm a member. It probably has about 90,000 members now. Um, And, you know, we saw the the largest uh, multiracial demonstrations in the history of this country with Black Lives Matter. Um, Certainly the impact of the Sanders campaign and AOC and all of that. Has had an impact in terms of the development of a, a more kind of social democratic consciousness on the part of significant sections, particularly of young people. Um, and young working class people are overwhelmingly downwardly mobile and are looking for answers. And that's why we see the growth of, of groups like DSA. So, the, so there's some hope there, but on a mass level, because we can be pretty certain that the Biden administration will not provide answers to people's real needs. I mean, we can be certain, we're not pretty certain. I mean, it's gonna be very hard to pressure uh, this administration into actually meeting me- people's material needs. We're going into a period of greater austerity um, on states and local budgets. I'm sure things, um, That's it must be a big issue uh, in in, in places like uh, public transit in New York City with TWU 100. It certainly is even in rural Vermont that there's just less and less money to, to meet people's basic needs. And so we're going into a period of great austerity. And with that, I think a period of struggle. But the left is small. The trade union movement is Overwhelming the the over, over the top leadership of uh, the Vermont AFL-CIO and independent unions like the, the uh, National Education Association are totally in bed with the Biden-Harris administration. They've got, I think, something like 27 labor officials are already in Biden's transition team. Um, and, you know, that leadership, union leadership, has been lying to our members um, throughout this entire time saying Biden is a union guy. He's our man. And they're, they're talking about national unity with employers openly. Um, as, uh, I mean, Biden said, coming out of a meeting where he had CEOs and union officials together, he says, "He said, I wish you could have heard corporate leaders and labor leaders singing the same hymn here. So that, on, in terms of our national leadership, that is the situation we face. Certainly there are developments of class struggle currents, which are stronger on a local level within particular locals. That's certainly true within the Vermont AFL-CIO, and we, we've been trying to prepare our affiliates and our members to take uh, in, to move towards political strike action in the, in the event of, uh, you know, continued authoritarian moves by uh, the Trump administration. Um, but that's not the pic- picture in terms of the national leadership. And so it's, it really requires the development of a rank and file movement and of an organized left within the, uh, within the uh, organized labor movement. And uh, frankly, where we don't have uh, an organized labor movement, where we don't have unions in the most rural parts of, of this country and in, within my own state in Vermont, that's where people are most desperate and um, are looking to the far right. So I, I just uh, I'll leave you there, um, but it's it's not a pretty picture at all. Um, and let's have the discussion.
0: Very important news about austerity in New York City Transit. Uh, New York City Transit yesterday came out with a doomsday plan uh, if they don't get twelve billion dollars in federal aid to bail them out because of the loss in revenue created by a COVID-19 crisis. Um, They have proposed 9,300 layoffs of New York City transit workers. Uh, They have proposed a 10% across the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a dollar, sorry, a dollar across the board raise in the subway and bus fare and a 40% cut in service. Um, So the toothless response of our leadership will explain to you why they think they can get away with that and why they're being so aggressive. Uh, Our international president, John Samuelson's response was that what they need to do is engage in a gasoline tax, which is just historically intergalactically stupid on the part of a working class leadership to encourage taxing taxi drivers, truckers, working class people making their lives harder and to view so publicly so that the ruling class, if they took their crackpot advice, could say, look, these workers, they have pensions, they have health care, they have uh, wages that you couldn't even dream of, but they wanna make your life harder. Um, The uh, local president, Tony Utano, went even one step further into stupid land. He suggested that The solution was um, offering incentives for people to retire. So here's the president of the union opening up the door to the gutting of the the power and strength and numbers of their own union and forcing more work onto less workers, basically digging his own union members grave so that they'll never get to afford to, to retire. And that's the case in New York City Transit as it is. The average life expectancy of a bus operator after they retire in New York City Transit is two years. Okay, because of the conditions we face. We breathe in asbestos, rat poison, silica, um, and God knows what else on an everyday basis. It's a very stressful job. I know I don't have to tell any of you about how stressful it is to be a transit worker. Ours is the big leagues <laughs> when it comes to no, the sheer number and the 24-hour service that we provide. So, I mean, with this with this toothless response from the union leadership, it's no wonder the bosses think they can do whatever they want to turn back the clock on all the wages, benefits, and protections that we once won. Uh, so that's what's what the stakes are in New York City Transit. So sorry to go on a little bit, but just wanted to let you know.